May he have dominion from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. May all kings fall down before him, all nations serve him. Still hasn't happened yet. And we're waiting. We're waiting with <laughs> it will. Where it will. It's <laughs> sure as anything. It's going to happen. But uh, <laughs> uh, interesting. I was listening to something. Uh, well, sorry, before I get started, before I get started, this is the Dominion Podcast, episode 15. You've uh, joined us again. Thank you for all of our faithful listeners listening up till now. Uh, glad to have you with us here in the bunker beneath Peterborough City Hall. <laughs> <laughs> Plotting and scheming. Planting again. the philosophical depth charges that are going to blow this thing to the moon. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> what was I going to say? Oh, I was listening to, uh, I believe it was uh, James White uh, in the past couple weeks talking about how we may look, uh, the church may look back on this, uh, this point in history 3,000 years from now and consider us as part of the early church. Right. You know, we often think this is the last days. Uh, things things are wrapping up. They're coming to an end. Yeah. Well, every Christian generation has thought that. Yeah. So we don't know We don't know when the Lord's coming back. We don't know what his plans are. Maybe we're still in the early church period. Who knows? Yeah. So, yeah. Well, tonight we are going to talk about something that's been on uh, uh, on our minds for a while and has been kind of working in and out of some of the other topics. We're going to talk about persecution. Yeah. We want to define it biblically. Uh, that word's thrown around willy-nilly and, and articles written about uh, persecution and why some people don't think we're being persecuted and other people do think. Uh, Raul. Ra- Raul Cartier. <laughs> Head of the Gelding Coalition Canada. All right. <laughs> if you have, by the way, if you haven't checked out the Gelding Coalition Canada, they're on Twitter. I believe they're on Facebook now. Oh, got a Word, WordPress site. It's good, good satire site. You it's might good. Like it. It's you what the like world it. needs. It's what Canada needs. Yeah, totally. <laughs> well, we were talking about this offline beforehand, but some of the most effective counterattacks to this cultural revolution have been from the satire folks, yeah. for the Babylon Bee, for instance, yeah. or other people like that that are actually exposing the hypocrisy, yeah. um, but not in the way conservatives normally uh, expose hypocrisy. You know, we go, you're not playing fair, and then we kind of- Yeah, get all screechy. We kind of get all screechy and huddle in the corner. It's yeah. Like, of course they're not playing fair. Yeah. They're, they're progressives. They, yeah. They don't believe in fair. Mm-hmm. They believe in power. Anyway, so- <laughs> Yeah, the satire is a great way to, uh, you know, show that the emperor has no clothes. Yeah, but it's a method of of disarming people who take themselves very seriously. Yeah. <laughs> and um, you, if you take them very seriously, then you've already lost the argument. And it's yeah. it's you see this. We were talking about like with Elijah and the prophets of Baal and him taunting them, and uh, you know people who looked very pious and very serious about the religion. He's just saying it's just all bogus. Yeah. Um, obviously, the way Jesus <laughs> talked to the Pharisees. So satire is actually, it's a biblical and effective way. It's not the only way, and it shouldn't be employed mm-hmm. all the time, but in particular situations, it's the best way yeah. to get at the truth. Yeah, I mean, when when a uh, pol- politician or a philosopher stands up in front of you and tells, you know, with a straight face, tells you that he thinks we're all accidents and we came from... Uh, lower primates but we should also also love each other yeah you know we should just laugh yeah. them off the stage 
You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love how, you know, Doug says we're not molecules in motion. Yeah. Because that's, that is what you're saying, but you're saying it in a very serious sounding way, but yeah. it's, it's as ridiculous as saying we're just molecules in motion. Yeah. So, yeah. So persecution, um, I guess we'll lead with the definition. Yeah. Let's lead with the definition. And then why don't, why don't we then move ahead to like common objections to kind of set the context? Because a lot of Canadian yeah. Christians um, have said some really silly things about persecution. So start us off with what it actually is. Okay, so this is kind of what we came up with thinking about uh, how the Bible would use this word. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to define things biblically here. So persecution I would define as being hindered or barred from doing the good commanded by God by being deprived of rights, means, necessities, freedom, or life. Yeah. So it's it's kind of long-winded, but the reason we came up with that is because it's often just, uh, we often think of it simply as uh, being deprived of life. Yeah. For the sake of, specifically for the sake of the gospel. Yeah. So somebody doesn't like what you're preaching, and they chop your head off. Yes. That would definitely be persecution, yeah. but we have often... Uh, reduced it to that level. Yes. It has to be that bad or else it's not. We have a narrative in our mind about what persecution is. And in Canada, especially, um, it's not a biblical one. And part of that is, the reason for that is that we haven't faced much persecution. And so we have to imagine what it is, right? We have to, we have to, we have to romanticize it, or we have to read stories about martyrs in other countries to really know what that is. Um, but when there's no explicit conflict between you and the culture, there's generally peace amongst you, so you think. Um, it's it's harder to to have a good story in your mind for what persecution is. Yeah. And then we rely on these extreme examples and it's like, oh, that must be what it is. Therefore, I don't face it. Yeah. So. Yeah. Like we look at Fox's Book of Martyrs or something. Yes. And we think of that as the only that's kind the of bar, persecution. The only kind of persecution. Yeah. And I mean, that's that's martyrdom. That's what that's yeah. talking about. Um, well, that brings up, this is a good point. So we bring up objections. Let's bring up some objections to for instance, when James Coates went to prison, we both thought, surely this is a be this will be a watershed moment for a lot of Christians who were kind of denying um, any malicious intent on the on behalf of governing authorities um, in denial. We thought, okay, there's a pastor in jail when even by normal standards of the law, he shouldn't be in jail. He shouldn't be held until his trial yeah. for a parking ticket. And even if he's convicted of the offense that he's being charged with, there's no jail time tied to that. Yeah. And they're releasing people from the same prison because of COVID concerns. Violent. And violence, yeah, violent sexual assault yeah. offenders. Yeah. That they're saying, we think this guy will recommit. And you have a, a pastor who's never committed a criminal offense being held as if he's a, a genuine risk. Yeah. And their church has had no cases Mm-hmm. Since since March, last March. So, so but the objection was uh it's not specifically for anything to do with Christianity. Well, there's several objections. Well, yeah. So the the first one though that you raised that I didn't write down is unless they're chopping off heads, it's not persecution. Yeah. And the logic is only after a certain point is it persecution. Um 
but it's like, okay, so let's take the lobbing off of heads thing, you know, someone being one of the early apostles or something being killed. Are you trying to say that pastors in the communist countries that were in prison weren't being persecuted because they were allowed to live? Or are you saying the churches that are dispersed by the police aren't being persecuted because they weren't in prison? What what is your standard? Like at what point and the and the, the reality is it's just arbitrary. Yeah. So we can acknowledge that various degrees of persecution are more severe than others. Yeah. Absolutely. That should be clear to anybody. Yeah, yeah, that should be clear to anybody. It doesn't mean that anything that is not the most severe isn't real persecution. Yes. So the other objection you just raised, what was the objection that people commonly raise? Uh, that it wasn't specifically to do with with anything gospel related. Okay. It was it was for a a an unrelated uh, health violation. Yes. Right. So we actually had a news story come up today from China where the house house church uh, was who's been heavily persecuted. Uh, the pastor got arrested. And for being suspected of, quote, disturbing public order. Yeah. He wasn't arrested for preaching the gospel. Um, do you know how stupid it would sound for a Christian to tweet that, oh, Pastor so and so in China wasn't actually being persecuted because the state wasn't really uh, charging him with preaching the gospel? It was for disturbing public order. Yeah. You would I, sound really stupid. You would. <laughs> and I mean, we. I think we would all agree that the church in China is under persecution. It yeah. has been for generations now. Yeah. Uh, I was watching some videos today uh, during the arrest of uh, Pastor Wang Yi and, and, and the disbursement of a lot of the parishioners of the church. Uh, they kept saying that this was a, a safety issue. They kept using the term safety. Oh, yeah. And we can't tell you where we're taking him because of safety issues. Yeah. Uh, you know, community concerns. It yes. was it was very similar to the language we're hearing now. All, all kinds of evil can be committed under the pretense of keeping you safe. Yeah. And um, one of the easiest, one of the greatest justifications for persecution of any people is that they are dissidents. And so I was reading Tacitus the other night. Hmm. He quoted another work. And he gives an account of the persecution of Christians under Nero. Now, Tacitus doesn't like Christians Mm. at all. Um, But he suspected that Nero blamed the fires in Rome, that he actually set them or was involved with it, and that he used the Christians as a scapegoat. And he said the Christians were, they were crucified. Many things happened. Some of them were crucified in Nero's garden. And when the sun went down, they're still alive. He set them on fire to, you know, light up the night. Horrendous deaths. And he said they were they were killed not just because of their involvement in the fires, but for their hatred of humanity. Mm. Would anyone look at those Christians and just say, look, they weren't burned because they preached the gospel. It was for another reason. Yeah. Would anyone deny that the Christians were being persecuted? Mm-hmm. Uh well, you have, I mean, you, you just, if you deny that, then there's nothing to really say. And no one would deny that. Yeah. The point is, what the state gives as their justification for it is almost irrelevant. <laughs> if it's the Would act, you trust them? You know, why would you trust them at their word anyway? Well, if James Coates was, was the, the act that he committed 
not what they say. The action was gathering God's people to worship for corporate worship on the Lord's day to hear, hear the preaching of God's word. That's what he did. Yeah. What they say they're arresting you for is irrelevant. Yeah. That's what he did. Yeah. What is it that provoked the arrest? Yeah, what exactly? What provoked the arrest? And if you're like, well, they didn't say it was for preaching, so it wasn't. Because they weren't it's six like, feet apart and they didn't have masks on and there were too many people in the building. Yeah, it's just a level yeah. of naivety uh, and ignorance and shallow thinking that is just, it has a certain plausibility. Yeah. But if we could come up with some satirical comments towards those people, we would because it just needs to be, it needs to be dismantled. Yeah. Raul, Raul, uh, just as, as an example here, because we want to use biblical categories. So Matthew ten twenty, was it twenty three six or yeah Matthew ten twenty three, uh, when they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. For truly I say to you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. This is. You know they're going to persecute you in one town. Go to the next. Well, you're you're obviously still able-bodied enough to go. You haven't even been arrested. Yeah, you can just freely leave yeah. and go. But there's still persecution involved. So what does that entail? And you see it uh, in uh, John five sixteen after Jesus heals on the Sabbath. It says this is why they were persecuting him. And so it characterizes the attitude of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Herodians and all of them, their attitude towards Jesus was persecution. Animosity and reviling. Animosity, reviling, disrespect. Yeah. You know, I mean, they they, they yeah. basically said he was casting out demons by the yes, power yes. of Satan, attributing to the Holy Spirit. Lying uh, about you. Uh, yeah, lying. Um, all that stuff is persecution. Yeah. this And these are biblical categories. Like saying James Coates is a danger to the public good yeah. when there's no demonstrable there's no, way to prove that. Yeah. There's no historical evidence and there's no statistical evidence that would back that up. Yeah. No, that's a really good point. Another thing people say is that, uh, well, we're not being persecuted because we're not the only ones. So many Canadians have said this. Yeah. And uh, when has that ever been a standard of persecution? Of persecution. So I, well, I mean, the communists, they persecuted a lot of different people at the same time. Yeah. Well, or the, the Nazis. You know, yeah, they the were, Nazis <laughs> went after Jews and gypsies. gypsies and homosexuals. So are you trying to tell else? me that because people with special... Uh, needs and because gypsies were uh, persecuted, there was no such thing as a holocaust because we can't we can't really say that Jews were persecuted because they weren't the only ones. Are you gonna start denying the Holocaust because it wasn't exclusively focused on the Jews? Well, that's clearly an an ignorant argument, um, and we so we don't need to in this time say Christians are the only ones being persecuted. Um, yeah. I mean, whether we are or we aren't the only ones being persecuted it's irrelevant. is irrelevant. And we're going to get to why it's irrelevant um, shortly. But we're just talking about the standard of persecution. If yeah. we're looking at what the biblical standard of persecution is, then telling us we can only have 10 people in our building is persecution. Yeah. Giving people tickets for preaching in public is persecution. Yeah. Giving people tickets for gathering in public is yeah. persecution. Um all of that is persecution. The last category that people often use is, is it's like persecution has to be deliberate, intentional targeting of Christians, mm-hmm. uh, kind of weaving these things together. But Joe Boot talked about all of this in his podcast. It's kind of where I'm getting at. And he mentioned First Timothy and Paul. First Timothy 1, 12 to 13. Mm-hmm. Paul says, I thank him who's given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, 
because he judged me faithful, appointed me to his service, though formerly I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent opponent. But I received mercy because I acted ignorantly and unbelief. He thought he was doing good. Yeah, like Paul didn't think, I'm going to go after God's people. Like He yeah. wasn't thinking that. No, we, we have a naive view of evil right yeah. now. And I'm, I'm noticing this in our culture. You know, we can easily look back at uh, the Nazis or the maybe not the communists so much because we, we tend to be idolizing them right now. But, you know, we look back at bad guys in the past and say, oh, that's bad. But what we don't realize is they did not see themselves as bad people. Yeah, yeah. They thought they were very righteous. Yeah. Uh, they thought they were doing the world of service. Yeah. Right? Hitler thought he was a good guy. Yeah. He didn't think he was evil. No. None of them did. No. They all thought they were providing a service or yes. moving moving humanity forward. Whatever their rationale was, they thought they were the good guys. That's a great point, Jeremy. <laughs> all of this. So I don't care if Teresa Tam... I don't believe she's acting in goodwill. But yeah. even if she was... It's irrelevant. It's irrelevant. All it would show is if she, if she wasn't, all it would demonstrate is that it would be even more evil. Yeah. But it's not not evil if she's yeah. not motivated with particular motivations. And to get back to what you're saying about Paul, his ignorance was not an excuse. It wasn't an he excuse. He was still guilty. Yes. 100%. Yeah. And that's what makes the mercy of God so amazing mm. towards him. And... uh yeah, so it doesn't need to be specifically towards Christians. It doesn't even need to be intentional. It doesn't need to be explicitly for Christian acts, as long as it is, like you said, preventing them. Um, none of these things need to be true, nor to be persecution. So why don't you read your definition again, now that we've gone through what it's right. not? Being hindered or barred from doing the good commanded by God by being deprived of rights, means, necessities, freedom, or life. So the church is 100% being persecuted right now. <laughs> well, if you use that definition, which I think is pretty decent. Yeah, we're, yeah. we're being uh, prevented by doing good that God commands, by yeah. gathering together on the Lord's day, face to face, to hear the preaching of God's word, to encourage one another, to receive the sacraments, to practice discipline, to receive members. Um, we're being prevented from loving our neighbors in a thousand ways that we ought to be. And a bunch of ways that we probably don't even realize. Yeah. You yeah. Know, the, the, the unintended consequences will be revealed over the next decades. Yes. Um, yeah. Acts 7.52, I believe you preached from this last week, right? The stoning of Stephen? Yes, I did. So, I mean, he goes through the, he, he recounts the history of, of the people of Israel and at the end, you know, the thing he says that really gets them ticked off in verse 52 of uh, Acts 7, which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? Yeah. Uh, and he's basically saying all of these prophets that we love and respect, you guys persecuted. Yeah. Um, and if so, if you go back through the Old Testament and you look at what the prophets went through, again, we're seeing the pattern of what persecution is, being reviled, yeah. being lied about. Being exiled, being—I yeah. mean, a lot of them were killed, you know, opposed, tor tortured, opposed. Uh, yeah, being opposed is persecution. Like it's not even like yeah. physically barring you from doing it. It's seeking to discredit and undermine what you're doing through reviling, lying, um, in any way opposing you is a is a form of persecution, mm -hmm. and and it's it's explicitly for what you're doing too. Uh, the did uh, did you look into the Greek word at all? 
I didn't. I I looked it up. I'm not a Greek scholar, but uh, the lexicon I saw gave uh, the idea of to chase, pursue, or catch right. as the underlying uh, meaning of the Greek word that is translated as persecute. Right. It gives this idea of hounding, right. being hounded, being uh, chased, you know, yeah. um, which would fall into this definition. Like getting a ticket for preaching in the park? Yes, exactly. <laughs> for organizing a gathering of more than 10 people. Oh, yes, right. So it's not really persecution because it wasn't for preaching. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if so you saw So the logic it. goes. Did you see the video of the protest in Toronto for, I believe there's something going on in Colombia right now that's no. kind, of, kind of a big deal? No, I didn't uh, hear about that. Hundreds and hundreds of people. Uh, of course, the cops weren't out. Actually. People. Yeah. People, and it was a completely unrelated to COVID. Wow issue that was being uh and it sounded like a worthy issue too from from what i understood but uh yeah no no cops out giving tickets you know nothing like that um there's there's a couple places i want to end up when we i want to get to more of the spiritual aspect of it uh, as far as uh the blessing of persecution the inevitability of Mm -hmm. persecution Mm -hmm. but before we get there Oh, I got to gather my thoughts here. Um, what was I going to say? Well, why don't we? Your point that persecution is inevitable, right, is a good thing because we don't want to give the impression that we are seeking to avoid it at all costs. No. And Second um, Timothy, what do you quote here? Second Timothy three twelve. Let's look that up. Um, Second Timothy. All those who desire to live a godly life. Yes. Um, we'll be, I don't know the exact wording. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Yeah. That's a promise. That's a promise. And the, our Lord promised it too. Uh, and that would be John 15, 2, uh, where he says very plainly that... Let me see if I can get there. My, yeah, find that my, an, my analog Bible... Get there quicker than your digital Bible. John fifteen twenty. Remember the word remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. Mm-hmm. And he also is it Matthew, blessed are you when you were persecuted. Yeah, five ten, I think I had that in there as well. Right. Yeah. And yeah, he during- goes on to say when when you were reviled. Yes. And so it's it, he's not just talking about losing your head. He's talking yeah. about people using speech yeah. in, in um, malicious ways against you. Oh, I know where I was going to go. Yeah. So before we, before we back into, into the spiritual aspect of persecution proper, there's this idea going around that um, the civil disobedience is tied to this idea of persecution. And that in order to... Uh, justify justify civil disobedience. We have to be properly being persecuted. Yeah, and that's I think that's why there's a soft peddling of what actual persecution is. Yeah, but apart from that, that doesn't follow. That conclusion doesn't follow from that statement. Was that Raul again? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I've just seen. I've just seen hints of this. What's or was it Baxter? Maybe it's a Baxter quote. Maybe one I don't of- know. <laughs> But the idea is, well, we're not really being persecuted, so we can't disobey the government. Yeah, where's what, what is, so, what, where's the scripture for that, and what is the logic? There's of so that? much wrong with it. Yeah, because we're not disobeying the government. The government is disobeying the government. Yeah, well, it's the imp, the and this brings out a Canadian bias, which is 
purely statist, and it is we must do everything the government asks unless these arbitrary things are true. Mm-hmm. But as with every sphere of authority, shout out to Sphere Authority episode, Dominion Podcast, check it out. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> episode six, I can't remember. Can't, I couldn't way remember Way back either. there, yeah. Six but, or seven. <laughs> but one of the principles of how authority works in this world is that every human authority is limited meaning that my jurisdiction as a husband is over my wife and my jurisdiction as a pastor is in our church and my jurisdiction um, as a father is my kids. And it's not beyond that. Mm -hmm. This view that you have to listen to an authority in every instance except something is giving them a a totalitarian authority. Like their authority extends over everything except in limited situations. That is not a biblical view of authority. You know whose authority that's true? God, without the clause in there. His authority extends over everything, no ifs, ands, or buts. So let's let's take an example like you were just talking about in the family or the church and apply this standard to it. Yeah. Your children must obey you, but there are times where they would be justified in not obeying you. Yeah. Uh, if if you command something outside of your authority. Yeah. Or if you command them to do something that God forbids mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. forbid them to do something God commands. What if you're not persecuting them at the, at the moment where they are they're uh, justified in disobeying you? Yeah, then they can but, disobey me. Like it doesn't you know, matter. They don't have to go. Okay, well, am I being persecuted right now when he's telling me to do this? Evil thing. Well, you know what's you know what's ironic about this? It actually is a flat contradiction of scripture. Because scripture actually tells us to suffer. Scripture actually tells slaves to obey their masters and to listen to even bad people who treat you poorly. What is it when you when you um you know it's when you suffer despite doing good? Right. This is a gracious thing in the eyes of God, our Savior. And first Peter two goes on to talk about slaves and masters and Christians actually aren't automatically absolved of obedience when they're persecuted. This is a great irony. Mm-hmm. Uh, these people are wanting to say you can never disobey except in this instance. And the scriptures actually don't allow us to disobey in that instance. Purely, purely for On that grounds. Yeah. That you have to ask, are we being required to do something God forbids or forbidden from yeah. something God requires? Um, or do they just not have lawful authority here? Right. So they ignore what scripture actually teaches about when to obey and when not. Yeah. And they introduce a totally arbitrary category that contradicts mm. scripture. That's true. And yeah, again, this is just category confusion here. Yeah. We got two separate issues. The yes. civil disobedience one, which we've dealt with in other episodes. Yeah. Uh, go back and listen to them. But the persecution one, not exactly. Uh, I mean, often those things will go hand in hand. But like you say... We are commanded to suffer, yes, certain things, yeah, that may be persecution, yeah, right, exactly. Hmm. Okay, well, let's get back into straight persecution talk here. Um, we are obliged to bless those who persecute us and not return evil for evil, and this yeah. sort of goes to what you were just talking there. Mm-hmm. Hebrews ten thirty. Just going to go there real quick here. I should have had this queued up while you're talking. And this is this is the beauty of the Christian faith um, and the example of Christ is that we actually have resources to suffer persecution. Mm. Um, not only are we told to expect it uh, and that if we follow Jesus, we will experience it, 
but we have resources to thrive in the midst of it. Hmm. Yeah. And a lot of that just has to do with, with being able to trust in God's sovereignty. Yeah. Right. And so the, the Hebrews 1030 verse here is uh, quoting an old Testament passage for, we know him who said, vengeance is mine. I will repay. Yes. Right. It's not our job to repay this persecution. No, no. Whoever it is, whether it's uh, a government or a boss or somebody who's persecuting the bride of Christ, his mm-hmm. church, that's 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 on them, mm-hmm. and Christ is going to repay them at the judgment for that. Mm-hmm. And we don't want to be in their shoes because we know Christ is jealous for his his bride. He mm-hmm. loves her. He laid down his life for her. So that's that's not our realm, and we can just, uh, I guess you could just say we just let go. Uh, and trust that God is going to to right these wrongs in the end. Yeah, and I would qualify this because with anything in Scripture, you you can't make one truth the whole truth. You have to integrate it into it. Blessing those who persecute you doesn't mean you can't speak truth to power. Stephen Mm. died because he told the civil and religious God-ordained leaders that they were in gross, gross sin. Yeah. And he um, called them to repent, and he uh, accused them of mm. gross sin. That's why they gnashed their teeth, and they rushed to him, and they stoned him as a mob without justice. It also doesn't mean that you don't disobey. Uh, the disciples sometimes would go along with the magistrate. I mean, a big part of this we overlook in the West is you don't have a choice. So much of this, Christians have category mistakes too. It's like when you see slaves obeying their masters or something like that, it's like, see, we're just never allowed to resist. It's like, you clearly don't know a situation where you can't resist, right? It's like they make the same mistake with slavery. Oh, Paul was condoning slavery. It's like, no, slavery was the foundation of Roman culture economically. There's, that's every, like saying, every culture. Every culture. That's <laughs> every like culture. saying, like, oh, Paul didn't do away with money or something like that, like, or, or like bread. Like, you're, you can't just get rid of it. What he did is he planted, to use your phrase, the depth charge beneath it, which is the gospel, which would eventually be the undoing of slavery. And he encouraged slaves, if you can be freed, be free. And he and condemned. Don't, don't submit yourself to it. Right? Yeah, yes, said, exactly. You shouldn't sell yourself into slavery because no. that's how a lot of people got into it is because yeah. you had a debt you couldn't pay. Yes. And so you would sell yourself into slavery and for he, a period. He, he called out slave trading as uh, as evil. So, Which the Old Testament condemns. Yeah. Man, man stealing, right? Exodus yeah. 22. But there's no contradiction between that and actually helping people who can't get out of slavery. Right to live faithfully in it. So when, when we read scriptures, they're telling us to bless those who persecute us and to suffer wrong patiently, these types of things. It's not condemning any kind of resistance or working towards justice or speaking truth to power. Or condoning the persecution. Or or calling us to condone it, exactly. Right. Uh, we can do all of these things. And we need a a full biblical picture of it Yeah. In in order to know how to... And how to respond, yeah. you know. And I even felt this week when I was when I was ticketed, I felt really led to look. The first one, I'm not actually going to say anything. Hmm. I'm just going to take it, and uh, you know, I I know the consequences of what I'm doing, 
if it escalates, then I have a different strategy, you know, for different reasons and yeah. purposes. But I'll blame you. <laughs> yeah, blame me. Yeah, he, he made me do it. Um, <laughs> oh, no, he's the organizer. <laughs> I, I actually organized it, yeah. I don't organize anything, if you guys know me. I just... I'm I'm a follower. Just tell me where to be and what to do and what to prepare, and I'll be there. <laughs> well, we need you. Oh, that's nice. It's nice to be needed. Um, Matthew five, uh, verse eleven. Blessed are you when others. Oh no, no, sorry. Uh, verse ten, five ten. You you uh, alluded to this earlier, but blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for mm. theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Yes. That should be a cause of rejoicing for us. That's tough. That's really tough. I, after you got that ticket on Saturday, and you uh, you let me know, like something just hit home mm. for me that this is okay. This is actually real now. Mm. It's not just theoretical. This is going to be happening to us in the future. But it's like mm. okay, there's no turning back now. This is this is happening. Yeah, and uh, it it got me pretty low for a bit. Mm. Um, luckily, that was Saturday night. And luckily, I went to church on Sunday yeah. and got to worship with the people of God, and everything got better. That's great. <laughs> well, it was it was one of the implications of this text is that it's truly shameful to um, categorize and, and castigate those who are persecuted as being a bad witness. Yeah, and this is what so many it's people so do. Horrible. It's really just saying. A good witness is when you're liked by everyone and you're approved by mm. everyone. And Jesus says you are actually blessed when you're persecuted yeah. for righteousness sake. And he you says got all the these, exact opposite. Yeah, too. these clowns out here being like ashamed of their brothers in Christ yeah. and and throwing agreeing with their accusers, yeah. siding with their accusers and saying this is a bad Christian testimony. I'm like, Christian testimony? testimony to the guy who was crucified by a mob yeah like what what testimony are you trying to give you want to be liked by the people who are busy chemically neutering little boys and girls to try yeah. to get the, you want to be liked by those people yeah it's like is that a good like, witness <laughs> you know people have said even to me even people i otherwise respect and i certainly love it's like, you realize you're in the minority position. It's like, yeah, that puts me in pretty good company. It's like, you know, the narrow road people yeah, and yeah. Jesus and dying alone. And I just want to turn around and be like, you're in the position of people who have, uh, you know, your ministers are married to dudes. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and you people like kill children. I mean, and you're should, on their side. Like, Shouldn't I, we beware when the world speaks good of us? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, woe to you when all people speak well of you. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's, it's actually not a sign of God's blessing. It's a sign of curse. Mm. And a good reputation is a good thing. Yeah. And being well thought of by outsiders. And we do, the fact that people hate you is, an inher- is not an inherent sign of No, it right- has to be for righteousness sake. It has sake. to be for righteousness sake. Yeah. Uh, but so many people are dismissing our faithful brothers because they are embarrassed by them. Yeah. So if if all you're doing is obeying God, then I would say that's being righteous. Of and course. If, if that's why you're persecuting, uh, being persecuted, then you're being persecuted for righteousness sake. If, if you if, go if to going, church on Sunday. If worshiping with the body of Christ gets me persecuted, I'm cool with that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. If it's for being a, a loud mouth on... Uh, 
on Twitter mm-hmm. and going to a rally and yelling at a cop, that's not, you know, no. that's not a good reason to be persecuted. Yeah. That, that's a bad witness. Yeah. Right. But if it's, uh, if it's obeying my Lord, then it's a good witness. Yeah. And, and the, what a great encouragement, brother, that there's a blessing there. Yeah. It's when it looks like when it looks like we're losing, when it looks like we've been abandoned, Christ is saying, No, no, I am I am present with you, I am actively blessing you. This will turn out for your deliverance one way or another. Mm-hmm. Um that's an amazing, amazing gospel truth. I mean what what are we saying when we get baptized into Christ? Yeah, I die. We're, yeah, you're die. Die to yourself. Yeah. Take up your cross. You know, join the death march. Yeah. Um, I think of, uh, I mean, this is going to be old news for all your people because you've been preaching through Acts, but Acts 5 after, uh, is it Peter and who that come out John. of prison? Peter and John. They get released after being beaten. Yeah. Uh, and it says this in verse, verse 41, then they left the presence of the council rejoicing that we were they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. Yeah. Like that's it's a sign that that God loves us yes. when He allows us to be persecuted. Yeah, it's so hard for us to fathom that. Mm-hmm. But I saw this as I was watching videos today of the pastor in China um, speak. He was speaking this way, just how it's that there was God's favor on them if He allowed them to continue uh, being persecuted, and we don't have that mindset at no. all. We're scared and timid and. Just you know, generally lack courage. Hundred mm-hmm. percent. And there needs there needs to be a return to scripture. Like ultimately, these are Canadian values; they're not Christian values. They're Christian. They're Canadian values Christianized, and they sound pious, but they're actually very deadly. Mm. And uh, we need to ultimately we need to treasure Christ. I mean, if you're unwilling to suffer for his name, you, how much does he mean for you, to you? Um, if you're not desperate for the assembly of the saints and the preaching yeah. of God's, like what, you, what do you yeah. actually treasure? What do you need? Yeah, if you don't long for that, yeah, then, you know, we need to take the warning in first John that to, if you don't love the brothers, yeah, you know, that that's, that's a, a sign of our, of the assurance of our salvation is that oh, we yeah. love the brothers. If you don't have that love, uh, you need to look, <laughs> you need to examine yourself. Oh, for right? sure. See if you're in the faith. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I'm going to read something for us for our good section. That was the true section. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully everything we said was true. You know, this is um, on on topic here, this is uh, from a letter of Cyprian of Carthage, who was the bishop of Carthage uh, in the mid third century, uh, and a uh, persecution broke out in that time. Of course, uh, the during the Roman Empire at that time, persecutions would flare up pretty much nonstop at, at different parts of the uh, empire. So at this point, um, they were being persecuted in Carthage. Uh, he ended up dying as a martyr in 258 by beheading. But this is a letter he wrote to the martyrs that had been taken and were being used as forced labor in a mine, which means certain death. They would basically take you to the mine and work you till you died and then throw you in a trash heap. So it's a bit of an extended uh, passage. 
But that, being first severely beaten with clubs and ill-used, you have begun by suffering of that kind, the glorious firstlings of your confession, is not a matter to be execrated by us. For a Christian body is not very greatly terrified at clubs, seeing all its hope is in the wood. The servant of Christ acknowledges the sacrament of his salvation, redeemed by wood to eternal life. He is advanced by wood to the crown. But what wonder if, as golden and silver vessels, you have been committed to the mine that is the home of gold and silver, except that now the very nature of the mines is changed, and the places which previously had been accustomed to yield gold and silver have begun to receive them. Moreover, they have put fetters on your feet, and have bound your blessed limbs and the temples of God with disgraceful chains." as if the spirit also could be bound by the, with the body, or your gold could be stained by the contact of iron. To men who are dedicated to God and attesting their faith with religious courage, such things are ornaments, not chains, nor do they bind the feet of the Christians for infamy, but glorify them for a crown. O feet blessedly bound, which are loosed not by the smith, but by the Lord. O feet blessedly bound, which are guided to paradise in the way of salvation. O feet bound for the present time in the world, that they may be always free with the Lord. O feet lingering for a while among the fetters and crossbars, but to run quickly to Christ on a glorious road. Let cruelty, either envious or malignant, hold you here in its bonds and chains as long as it will. From this earth and from these sufferings, you shall speedily come to the kingdom of heaven. The body is not cherished in the minds with couch and cushions, but it is cherished with the refreshment and solace of Christ. The frame wearied with labors lies prostrate on the ground, but it is no penalty to lie down with Christ. Your limbs unbathed are foul and disfigured with filth and dirt, but within they are, they are spiritually cleansed, although without the flesh is defiled. There the bread is scarce, but man lives not by bread alone, but by the word of God. Shivering, you want clothing, but he who puts on Christ is both abundantly clothed and adorned. The hair of your half-shorn beard seems repulsive, but since Christ is the head of the man, anything whatever must needs become that head, which is illustrious on account of Christ's name. All that deformity, detestable and foul to Gentiles, with what splendor shall it be recompensed? This temporal and brief suffering, how shall it be exchanged for the reward of a bright and eternal honor, when, according to the word of the blessed apostle, the Lord shall change the body of our humiliation, that it may be fashioned like to the body of his brightness? So good. Yeah, that's pretty intense. And, uh, you know, I'm sure everyone in those minds uh, went to be with the Lord pretty shortly after, and mm-hmm. so did the man who wrote the letter. So mm-hmm. a great example for us. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us, discussing persecution. There's a lot to think about. We're going to leave you with some more beautiful music. I don't know what it, what it is yet, because I haven't picked it yet. It'll be beautiful. It'll be beautiful. Hopefully you guys enjoyed the jazz last week. I did have some comments that it wasn't the type of jazz that people liked so i apologize to the jazz fans i guess it wasn't the right kind of jazz that's like saying 
jazz is such a wide uh, a wide genre of music. Right. Right. It could be anything from you know ragtime on a piano to Diana Krall mm. uh, in the modern era. Mm. Anyway, I'll pick something real beautiful for y'all, and uh, we'll see you next time for episode sixteen of the Dominion Podcast. <laughs> Thank mm-hmm. you.